Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to Everything You Need to Know About Music, Essential Album Series, where tonight, Kevin, say hello, Kevin. Hello, Jason. Hello, listeners. And Mike. Hello, Jason. And myself are going to do an Essential Album. Kevin is going to take us through what album are we going to do tonight, Kev? So... I'm not going to say just yet, because okay. as you well know, <laughs> I like to start every podcast with a little bit of a tangent. Yes, you do. All right now, even though this is a quick album review podcast, I'm going to try to keep it short. Okay. Um, I want to go on a real short tangent here. Okay? okay. And I'll tell you why. Because before we recorded our last set of shows, you had mentioned that maybe it'd be fun to discuss something that we've heard recently that we're really digging. Yeah. Right? And yeah. kind of just you know yes. start, start off you know, a little something different before we get into the meat yes. of the podcast, so to say. So I, I really like that idea quite a bit. Okay. In fact, can I title this this segment, This Is My Jam? Yeah, okay. I would love that. Um, and actually, it pays homage to a website that I found in 2013 by the same name. It was thisismyjam.com. <laughs> okay. Um, and what it would do uh, is that you would pull off, off of YouTube, basically. You'd pull off a song, and then it would put it into a format where you could listen to your song, and then, like, like a social media sort right, of thing. You'd, right, Like, you followed people, people followed you, and there'd be a list, and so you'd just go down the list of your followers and listen to what everybody was jamming at that oh, time. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah, it's right. defunct now. Um, right. you know, and a lot of us would pick a new jam every single day and you know, talk, you know, make little comments and that sort of stuff. Um, so, and there's a lot of us TMIJ, as I'll call it, refugees, that have now on a site called God's Jukebox, which I'll send you guys a link to. All right. um, there's actually a couple of God's Jukebox um, folks on here that started listening to this podcast because I mentioned oh, no the way. YouTube podcast. Yeah, That's great. Well, we're um, happy to have them. Anyways, so since I'm going to keep this short, um, Jason Michael right now, this is my jam. I'm going to okay. play it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Love this song. Mikey, you know this. Oh, yeah. Love it. Go ahead, Kev. Tell her who it is. Get ready. So, I have never listened to the full album, even though this is an album podcast. Right. 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 Um, But this song... Just so terrific. Yeah. Um, I would totally own it on 45 for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, which all the kids now, they call that a download, digital <laughs> download, right? Right. Um, or an iTunes. But this is from 1982. And it's got to be Shalimar's biggest hit, right? So this is, I would think this so. This is a night to remember from yes. Shalimar. Right. Okay. So this is what you're listening to right now. That's what I'm listening to right now. And, you know, part of what I'll tell you, first, what I really like about it, um, that terrific, funky bass line awesome. in the beginning. Yes. Right. Um, and Jody Watley, who yeah. you guys may remember from the late '80s, you know when she went on her own, um, she's outstanding. On she is. Here. She's so good. I didn't know. I didn't know she was in there. Yep. So she she wasn't Makes always sense. with Shalimar, but she was here with this. We'll listen to the voice. Love that you're getting into this punk. Love you, it. Do you have the Mace version to compare it to? <laughs> Wait, did Mace yeah. really do this too? He did. No, the background. He, he sampled well, the background, right? So he, he and built, took some of the elements of like the vocal stuff, the so, stylings. So, so yeah. part of his collage, <laughs> he, he put this in yes, there. It's called Get me? Ready. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get Ready? Yeah. Which yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, um, so I hope everybody, you know. I love it. Get out there. Okay. Check it out. Watch watch the video on YouTube and uh, and listen to the song. I love it. So th- this is my jam this right now. This is my Jason jam. Michael. All right, good. All right. Thank you for telling great, me that. All right. All right. So now let's get to the meat of the uh, of the podcast and why we're here. Um, so I chose Exile on Main Street, which wow. I told you, which I told you ahead of time. Yeah, from, from the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, where? Because I don't know this. Where in their series of un- so many albums does this fall? 
So this is, it came out in 1971. Okay. So, you know, they're probably, I think, eight or nine albums in, yeah, maybe 10 okay. albums at right. that point, because they, right. they were pretty prolific in yeah, the 60s. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that this is the best album from this is your what best. is a very, very accomplished band. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so for we'll sure. get into that. So no one has done yet a Rolling Stones podcast. Right. Nor a Rolling Stones uh, essential album. So I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about and this. So, and because nobody's on the podcast yet, I'm not going to get into nor should you. The, the band I members. Right. I mean, we're going to talk about the band members, but I'm not going to do the deep dive. Right, into right, right. I want right, to talk right, right. You know, mainly about the album. Yeah. Um, and to corroborate my feelings on this being the best Rolling Stones album. Okay. This album ranked number seven on the Rolling Stone top 500 it's albums seven? of all time. It was seven I didn't know as that. of 2012. The new one that came out, it went down to 14, I think. I didn't know um, that. But yeah, it's easily their highest, right? Wow. Even though they've got some great albums. They we'll, do. We'll talk a little bit about that, okay. about some of the ones that came right before it. Um, the other thing was, this was inducted, the album itself, and I didn't even, before I you know, kind of researched the album, I didn't realize that albums could be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But they can be. And this one is one of the Holy albums in the smokes. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. Wow. In 2012 is when it got inducted. So, you know, so I think we already discussed it. Um, so I won't beat around the bush anymore. Let me play what I think and what I think you think, Jason, um, is the best song from the record. So we're yeah, going to get right sure. into the All single. Right. Yep. And this one. Mikey, you're going to, you know this. Well, you'll know it as soon as yeah. we play it. It's top three Stone songs for me. So it, I think it's number one for me. Number one, I for think you? it's the best song they ever did. Yeah, and that's I mean that that that's a deep catalog. And yeah, you know obviously so that uh, probably changed from time Miss to time. Miss You is number one for me. Great song. Uh, two is Under My Thumb. That's such a good song. And too. this is three. That and and yeah. I will tell you, Under My Thumb has been yeah. my favorite. I don't know why it just point. hits me in a weird way for some reason. It's just I love that song. But this one is something like really special, especially if you're a guitar player. The groove, the the like the the feel that that they have in this is just in, um, insanely good right insanely good right and i want you to talk because I, I i know again you understand yeah. music theory better than me before i get there though to have sure. you discuss yep, a little bit i just want to go towards the end okay and i think it exemplifies what this album is all about so let's play the last little bit yeah it's bluesy so good it's gospel right with those background singers it's got a gospel aspect to it yeah there's they little, do this really well there's a little swing to it there's a little country tinge in there right yeah. and listen this is Americana pretty much it's a really good song yeah it's really good So that is Tumble and Dice. So it's an open G string capo on the fourth fret. Open G string capo, capo on, on the fourth fret. fret. So it's detuned in a specific way with a capo on the fourth fret, right. which for Keith Richards to do that is just like so different. Right. But it, you would never know in hearing the song that there's anything kind of different in the tuning. Right. It's so fun to play on the guitar because yeah. it sounds just like a standard blues right. kind of progression and also if you actually look at the way that it 
it slims down is what what they call it in mm-hmm. music theory when the the first verse is almost two verses and then s- kind of s- gets smaller the second verse is smaller than the first and the third is only a few lines and then they go into that kind of back and forth that you just played right the structure of the song is totally different yet when you hear it you wouldn't hear it any differently you think it sounds like a normal song but right. it actually starts off very long and front-loaded lyrically okay and then slims down and the third verse is like two lines right and it's really really cool the way that you if you really dissect it you think why would they do it that way and yet it sounds so cool yeah. it's just such a fun song it's yeah. a it, it's a great song and again i i think it really encapsulates what the whole um what the whole album embodies and um but i, I gotta be honest i don't know a lot about this album okay. so i mean we're gonna and again, okay and, and what you again what you heard there again from a blues standpoint from a gospel standpoint yep. from the swing from the country from again this 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 idea of americana right right um, right you're, you're going to hear that okay, okay. consistently throughout this album. How so, many songs are on the album? It's a double LP. Oh, I didn't know it was double. Yeah, it's almost almost 70 minutes long. Oh, no kidding. Um, so let me talk a little bit about the background. So in 1971, um, that's when the band started recording Exile. They were arguably, I would say, the biggest band on the planet yeah. then, right? Because the Beatles had already broken up. Yep. Uh, Zeppelin was huge, but maybe not quite not there yet, the powers though. yet, not right? Not there yet, yeah. Um, the Who had just released Who's Next, which was a huge album as well. It was iconic. Um was anybody then really packing arenas and stadiums like the Stones? Good point. Um, They had, and here's the thing, they had just come off a murderer's row of albums. Beggar's Banquet in 68, Let It Bleed in 69, and Sticky Fingers in 1970. Amazing albums. And when you add this one to it, which... Yeah, might be their best. Right, that is a four run, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, four album run. That it, it, it's hard for anybody, right? You know, right. outside of probably the Beatles to, to touch, right? Um, so, in, in fact, if any other listener you know here tonight claims Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, or Sticky Fingers is their favorite, I'm not going to object to it. I understand. Th- th- those are I understand. Th- those are definitely great albums, right? Um, all right. So, what makes this album so special? For one, like I mentioned, it's a double album, so tons of excellent material came from this session. Um, so the band. Uh, they were getting to that super successful point. Um, and so they needed to leave England at this point to go live, play, do whatever else that, that they wanted. Um, do you want to know a big reason why? Yeah. Oh. Taxman. Tax <laughs> they get in some trouble with that. I'll stop there because I know the Beatles don't like more than 14 seconds. <laughs> no, they snippets. don't. So we're going, we're going very short with that. But yes, because of the tax ban. So um, just like the Beatles, who George Harrison you know, very clearly elucidated that in, in, in that song, Tax Ban, um, the Stones moved to the south of France um, and rented a villa called um, Nellicott okay. um, or Nellicote, <laughs> which was halfway between the city of Nice and then uh, the, the city slash country of Monaco. So yeah. right there on the kind yeah. of French Riviera, right? Um, they were living as tax exiles at, at the time. Using no the word exile, kidding. Because at the at the time, the top tax rate in the UK was ninety three. Oh, get out of here! Ninety three percent. Holy smokes. So heavy. Mick, what's that? That's, yeah, that's, that's heavy. That, oh, right, significant. Yeah, heavy, right. I'd, I'd move too. Right. <laughs> yeah, France sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so Mick Jagger had said about their exile in France that uh, the band were feeling like runaway outlaws using the blues as its weapon. Uh, against the world, showcasing a feeling of joyful isolation, grinning in the face of a scary and unknown future. Um, 
And so as we get more into this, and, and, and I alluded to it with, with, with Tumbling Dice, Caleb Followell from Kings of Leon, who you may know, yeah. um, he was actually shocked when he heard that this was recorded in France because he thought it must have been done in Memphis because it sounded like every night they were going out Eating barbecue and partying on on, on Beale Street, yeah, because that's the you know, that's the, the vibe, vibe, yeah, that, that this evinces. Um, so you know me, we've discussed it a bit. I love a lead off tune. Okay, this is the lead off tune. Um, and while it didn't lead off my my running playlist like Vertigo, it was like song two or three. So <laughs> oh no, kidding! This All one's right. called Rocks Off. Hidden. Not not typical of a stone sound. I'm gonna move forward. Here's a sound you definitely don't hear much or ha- had heard prior from the stones. Oh, horns? You hear that? Holy smokes! So that's rocks off again. That, that's the first, um, the first song from there, and and helps set that tone. That I mean, there's attitude there, right? There's a little sneer behind uh, mixed vocals. Um, there's verve in that beat. Um, you know, from hearing that tune, start start things off. You're gonna get an album with teeth, with grit, yeah. with absolute rock. Love it. Um, and those horns, right? That yeah. is not a typical no. Rolling Stones sort no. of sound. So. Um, all right. It sets the tone for a record that's going to blast you with blues. Again, an entirely American sort of sound. It doesn't, it, but not just limited to the U.S. Because even those horns, they almost have kind of a you know maybe maybe a south of the border sort of flavor to them. Um, but this is all real roots of rock stuff. There's no gloss on this album. There's no electronic stuff outside of you know some of the keyboards which are meant to emulate the honky tonk p- uh, piano. Um, all right. One of the crazy things, though, about this whole recording, you know, they did it in France, um, and they ended up having to clean up a lot of the source tape in Los Angeles a few months later. Big reason why. I was going to say, why? Why? This is yeah. according to Wikipedia, by the way, is that because Keith Richards had a significant heroin habit in 1971, <sighs> which included, and I'm quoting Wiki here, <laughs> right, okay. thousands of pounds of heroin flowed into the mansion each week. Let me state for the record for a second. Yeah, I've never can't be. I've never done smack. All right, so I don't know all the logistics surrounding it. But even though, and here's some of the guests we're stopping by these days: William S. Burroughs, the the author, yep. Terry Southern, Grant Parsons, another big, oh, um, right. Alan Parsons, you know, yep. Um, uh, John Lennon was showing up, um, and Marshall Chess, who was the son of the founder of Chess Records. Oh, um, wow. so he, he Keith had a lot of frequent visitors, but. How could the villa be servicing thousands of pounds of heroin? Each You're week, right? essentially saying tons right. of heroin. I mean, <laughs> unless like every 10 pounds a horse gets yeah. distilled down to that little spoonful that you're injecting. Right, yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem, <laughs> it doesn't seem but, like but it's we, possible think, going through the I Chateau in France. I think it takes a point that there was plenty. There was a lot. Yeah. So, well, <laughs> right. you know, and maybe Richards was the heroin kingpin of, of all right, France. Right, right, um, right. But hey, this leads me to caution your listeners, and especially I have kids, you guys have kids, um, that are doing research. Um, Maybe Wiki isn't the best, the best uh, source, right? The best yeah. source, knowing yeah. that anybody can write and think that thousands of pounds of heroin are going right. through. But because, um, like when we were kids, Encyclopedia Britannica, right? That was our uh, that was our go to. Yeah. 
no longer. So um, anyway, so he was really overdoing the smack there in, in, at the French Mansion. It was affecting the creative output. He had weird hours. Um, and so the band had to finish the, the album in Los Angeles a few months later. And in those sessions, other mus- musicians like Billy Preston, who played oh, the no Beatles, kidding. right? Yeah, of course. On the keyboards. One of the um, greatest and, keyboard players. A- absolutely. And then Dr. John, who was oh, also yeah. a big great, piano player. Great keyboard player. So, and I can't find exactly though where Dr. John was credited, but let's listen to Sweet Virginia here for a second and tell me you can't hear a piano that sounds a lot like his. A little slow at the start, a little countryish, huh? Wow. This is the sixth tune on the album, by the way. Get some nice harmonica. Wow. I go back to the quote you just said about being recorded in the south of France. It's, it's so true. You would never guess. Right. That, that, that's what it doesn't done. fit. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move forward after this harmonica here to a later point. Hear that piano? Feel like you're in a honky talking no, right now. Right? There's that there's that saxophone. Maybe a blues bar in New Orleans. This is awesome. This is so me. Sounds almost like Marvin Berry in the Starlight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So holy you know, smoke. But Again, these guys are absolutely dripping with the sounds that made blues in the 30s and 40s, right, here, yeah. here in the U.S. The R&B of the 50s and 60s that you and I love so much, Jason, right? Right. Um, they're digging deep to evince a sound that is derivative of the greats that came before them. Um, and so this song is one of the best on the record to, to show that. Um, let me play one more song that, that uh, shows they're trying to go for that jangly, piano-laden, American louding song. Um, and this is the best song on the record that's not... Um, uh, not not tumbling dice. This one's called Loving Cup. Tell me, could be on a saloon like in Deadwood, yeah. an old timey piano player. Holy Move forward just a little bit here, a little bit more of the sound. Can you get the horns again? Again. So that's that's Love and Cup. Um, again, probably the second best song on the album. But okay. one that you probably never heard, right? No, I have not never heard, that heard song. it. And no, it's, it's fantastic. It's great. Heard, okay, <laughs> yeah, good, good, good. But I'm glad Mike's on that on that train. Um, so we have to go and listen to this whole entire you album. Have to, you okay, have yeah, to listen yeah. to the whole thing because yeah. I've only picked out a couple of songs. Only song you, I mean, except for Tumbling Dice that you haven't played. Right. That's right. funny. How many tracks? 
14? No. 15. Yeah, I wish I had 14, 15, okay, okay. 15 or 16. Okay, yeah. Um, again, it's it's 70 minute running time. Wow. So, um, right. We talked about the issues in France, not getting everything quite done. Um, and so, and, and, and Richards was, was really handling all of the kind of the creative side of this album. And, you know, it, uh, for the first part of it, but once I got to Los Angeles, Mick really stepped up, Mick Jagger, right. to being the front man, um, and you know, kind of put a bow on all these tunes. So, and interestingly enough, though, because um, you know Mick didn't have as much creative insight as he had on other albums um, in the beginning, he didn't claim this as one of the better. Stones really? records. He has since kind of reversed course and <laughs> right, realized right. that the critical reception it's got, it's a great album. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, so he had help from Dr. John and Billy Preston on the on the um, on the keyboards, and he enlisted some of the city's best backup singers to kind of help fill in the holes. And so those backup singers helped create a gospel-like sound that the band would employ on a few tunes, including the sublime "Let It Loose." And I'm going to cut a little to the middle here for you guys. Soulful. Yeah, very. They do that very well. Yeah. And we're gonna get that that gospel sound. It's awesome. Jagly piano. And there you go with the horns. This is, this is my album. Seriously, I love it. Tony, it's the best. You got all the elements I need. So that, that, that's Let It Loose. Um, all right. I know we like to keep these short, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap up here. But uh, I want to show, hopefully I've shown that the Stones kind of stretched the whole British Isles blues rock band to the nth degree and really brought a soulful gospel, sure. country tinge sound that, that, you know, no one other than people from the Delta, Mississippi, or, you know, yeah. again, people coming out of Memphis had kind of shown before. Um, here's some quick lauding of the record. According to Robert Kreisgau, Exile on Main Street expands on the hedonistic themes that the band had explored on previous albums, such as Sticky Fingers. Um, and as he writes, it piled all the old themes, sex is power, sex is love, sex is pleasure, distance, craziness, release, on top of, of an obsession with time that was more than appropriate uh, in men pushing 30 who were still committed to what was once considered youth music. So a more wow. mature record, yeah, right? Right. Uh, music critic Bill Janovitz called it the greatest, most soulful rock and rec- rock and roll record ever made, because it seamlessly distills perhaps all the essential elements of rock and roll up to 1971, if not beyond. He added that it is the single greatest rock record of all time, distinguished from other contending albums by the Beatles or, like, say, Pet Sounds, which are more so brilliant pop records. This was the rock and roll record. Wow. Um, on the response to the album, Richards had said when Ex- Keith Richards had said when Exile had come out, it didn't sell particularly well at the beginning. 
Uh, it was also pretty much universally panned, but within a few years, the people who had written the reviews saying it was a piece of crap were extolling it as the best <laughs> frigging album yeah, in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a direct quote from Keith. Yeah. So in terms of charting, um, it hit... Uh, it did end up hitting number one on pretty much every album chart, including the Billboard 200 in the UK, the Dutch charts, the Spanish charts, the Canadian charts, a couple places like West Germany, Sweden, and Australia. It was only two, and then Japan it only went to seven, but <laughs> almost everywhere else, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty holy smoke. So let me take you out on the third to last song, which is called "Stop Breaking Down," which I think totally encapsulates that that Americana sound they were going for, and in total made this the best album that the Rolling Stones have ever done. Okay. So All right. this is, this is exile main street. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, Thank uh, you for doing to, it. to express it. And, uh, here's stop breaking down to finish us up. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. And, uh, we'll say with that, we'll see you next time.